Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Elemental Evan Show. Super excited to have all of you here today and also to be able to hear this amazing guest that we have on the show today. Today we have Dr. Jeff Crippen. He is a chiropractor, nutritionist, coach, um, and just gonna be an all-around health professional. I'm really excited to hear uh, his take on a lot of just topics of health, and I have some really great questions set up for him today. So, uh, Dr. Jeff, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing? Uh, wonderful. Ex excellent to be here, and I uh, appreciate the opportunity, so thank you, Evan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure for me to have uh, a different perspective on the show. I know I like to ramble and have my own little episodes of me just, you know, talking the uh, listener's ear off, but it is truly a pleasure, um, not only for the listener, but for myself to have someone else on the show for, um, you know, a learning opportunity for, for me as well. So this is truly a pleasure and, um, you know, really a big reason why I started this show is because of a lot of health issues that I've dealt with as a kid. So um, for those of you who don't know, and uh, Dr. Jeff, if you haven't heard this before, I have dealt with a lot of gastrointestinal issues growing up. Um, that's something that really actually brought me into the health field and um, sure. really learning how to navigate and heal myself. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of on my own um, because of you know, I, I don't like to blame the medical field in any way because I think they're doing the best with the tools they have, but unfortunately it was not adequate, right? And so I had to move to alternative methods and that led me here. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a blessing in disguise and um, I think everyone has a story and I kind of know a little bit of yours, but I would love to hear how you got into the field you're in. Yeah, um, 100% by accident, but that's kind of how life goes, but I'm happy to... Did, just to put a little more color on that story, I, um, I remember, uh, you know, I, I went to get some blood work at some point as a kid and, you know, you fill out that paperwork and you sit down and they close that little window in front of you and sit in the waiting waiting room and my mom's with me and they called me back and they said, son, I know what you're going to be when you grow up. And I was like, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And like at that point, I, if I was sure of anything, it was astronaut. Like that's <laughs> that's what I was going for at that point in my life. And then he goes, I go, what? What am I going to be? And she goes, uh, you're going to be a doctor. I said, what? Why? And she goes, because I can't read anything you just wrote on this piece of paper. So that's like as, that's as close as I thought I was getting to um, where I am now um, at that point. But how it started was you know, a similar story uh, to yourself and the fact of it was just a chronic um, health condition that caused a lot of frustration that I wasn't able to find answers for. So in my case, it was headaches. started when I was six years old. Uh, you know, over-the-counter Tylenol, aspirin, or you know, Motrin, children's at that point, trying, and then you go to your pediatrician, and then try some stronger medications, and then some then prescription drugs, and eventually um, wanted to do some imaging of my brain because it got concerned of progressively, progressively, excuse me, worsening headaches in a child. So we did that, found a small mass in my brain, talked about brain surgery, decided to go a different option. Turned out it was a benign mass or growth. Um, did another dozen or so MRIs over the next 10 years, found out it wasn't growing, which was fortunate. Um, obviously, to not have a growing mass in my head, but uh, a little disappointing to me as a child because I was kind of hopeful the doctor would find the cause of the headache, right? I was just grasping for something. Mm. So um, at its worst, the headaches, uh, I had, the worst headache I had lasted for two years. So every moment, every day, nonstop for a couple years. And so just like... You know, it's, it's hard to get off the couch, hard to walk, hard to, you know, go through a day of school. And anyway, it just it was, you know, very, very debilitating, but I just like wasn't going to let it stop me. So I kept pushing through, but stopped playing sports, limited hanging out with friends, like just like lived on the couch when I wasn't in school for the better part of a couple of years. So um, and the reason I guess I got into this is because in the midst of that headache that lasted a couple of years, I just decided I'm not going to go on living like this. And I didn't really know what that meant, um, but I knew I wasn't going to go on living <laughs> like this, right? It's like I needed to find some answer. And, you know, I, I hoped it was going to be in the medical system. In fact, I searched that for better part of five to ten years or seven years and just kept finding more and more frustration. So eventually I just realized that, you know, probably in a similar to yourself, I got to figure out some of this myself. And that launched me on a journey 25 years ago 
that eventually led me to um, go to college, actually changed my major in college, um, majored in Spanish um, because I wanted something super useful and um, did pre-med classes, became a chiropractor, got a degree as a certified traditional naturopath, and I've been practicing for about uh, 12 years now working with other patients, helping them, you know, kind of with their chronic debilitating conditions and either the patients kind of fall into one or two groups. One is they've been in the medical system, maybe like yourself, and they couldn't find help and they're frustrated and they want another option. And the second group is, you know, those who just don't even want to go to the medical system. They want to look at the underlying cause. They want to treat, you know, treat what's really going on and they want a, 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 an approach that's not drugs and surgery. You know, what can we do naturally or more holistically to improve my health? So it's been my pleasure to, you know, build a practice around that and been working with patients with that for the last 10 plus years. Yeah. Um, honestly, wow. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I think about what I went through as a kid, you know, and it's like there, there was struggle, you know what I mean? But, um, nothing like a two year long headache that, you know, you have to deal with for like your entire, uh, you know, for, you, you don't even know how long. So, um, that is, that is really crazy. I can only imagine what that was like. And, uh, you know, I, I do, I do think though, um, I'm a big believer in like your struggle becomes your story. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, you just keep pushing and find a way, right. It's, it's about never quitting. And I think that's what, you know, ultimately brought both you and I here is, is that unwillingness to accept the you know, the, the situation we're dealt basically, and, and just finding a way to, uh, to heal ourselves. And so on that note, um, I typically do not get a ton of headaches and I feel that most of my headaches are simply, you know, literally the most textbook, like dehydration, you know what I mean? Yeah, like just yeah, sure. need to get a little bit more hydration and all good. But I know a ton of people who deal with regular headaches, um, you know, migraines, like just really, really, like you said, like debilitating uh, migraines and headaches. So I would love to have your professional opinion and advice on what are some of just the causes of these headaches and migraines, as well as what are like some of the simple things that we could just be doing on the daily to avoid these even even if it is just the hydration like i, I that, that usually works for me and I, I hate to throw it out there because i think some people are like dude this is water's not going to cure me but yeah yeah so i think um i mean it, as you were saying that i thought of the quote persistence alone is omnipotent right i don't know that quote came to me as you were talking about your story mm -hmm. and just like sticking to it and it's something um you know i agree with you i, I consider what i went through now a blessing if somebody maybe would have told me that when I was going through it. <laughs> I don't know if I would have felt the same way um, because it's just, yep. you know, you're when you're kind of in, in that moment, uh, it's just, it, it's, you know, it's just survival. It's just like, you know, survive in advance and just try to take it once, you know, one step at a time to use a, you know, an, a cliche, but it's like, you're just trying to survive that one moment. And half the time I was just trying to block out the pain, push it off as much as I can to just try to, try to go forward but you know you know but i can be you know so i can understand you know people listening to this are going through something you say be grateful for what <laughs> you know um, because I, w I would have been with <laughs> yeah. you um going through that but 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 that being said it is um it was through that struggle that helped me find uh purpose and passion um that so many ways super super grateful for it now but that was a that was a decades long, <laughs> long process to kind of uh tap into that um so you know, going to your question on headaches, and I think headaches are a really interesting symptom because you mentioned, you know, you get them sometimes and it could be dehydration and we could have a woman listening to this podcast and she could get some around her cycle and that could be a different cause, right? A hormonal cause. We could have a young uh, high school athlete, uh, maybe a football player or male or female soccer player get one after a game and it could be, you know, a symptom of a concussion, right? You could have... Mm -hmm. um, a college student get one early on a Sunday morning or late on a Saturday night from too much alcohol or something else that evening, right? Um, so there's, you know, the interesting thing about headaches is there's it's, there's not one single cause, right? And that kind of gets in, in medicine, um, you know, the solution, if you're dehydrated, 
or I have a headache or somebody's hungover or, you know, post-concussion, you know, post they might deal with it a little differently or somebody with a hormonal headache, generally the solution is going to be some kind of pain reliever, some variation of take two and call me in the morning, <laughs> suck it up, push through. Um, and eventually if it gets bad enough, you know, stronger drugs, right? But, you know, your question's a good one because what's causing the headaches isn't necessarily for any of those people an aspirin or a Tylenol deficiency, right? So I think the first Right. The first way to answer your question is what do you do about a headache is you got to figure out what's going on, right? And I think that is, um, I mean, yeah, that's that's so that's so key. So that's the first step I would look at. And in terms of, you know, I kind of take a, like a functional or holistic nutritional view or functional and holistic view in respect to nutrition. So what does that mean? It means when somebody comes in, we'll do you know, nutritional assessments or energetic assessments of different organs of their body. And what I typically find for headaches is it has to do with underlying stress on one of four main organs. So one would happen to be the brain. You know, a lot of, you know, I, so eventually I go to Cartman, I'm going to take a detour from that story to tell you this. So, so I'm in chiropractic school and we take like a neurological diagnosis class where they're teaching us about, you know, different neurological diseases. And then we're going, we have a lecture on headaches or two lectures or whatever it was. And to hear them talk about headaches, I mean, it's just like none of them described anything I ever felt in my life. <laughs> you know, so it just feels like, mm. you know, I think there's like a textbook idea of what a headache and then there's the practical application of it. But you know, a lot of times from a medical standpoint, they're looking at the vascular nature of a headache. So they're looking at something to do with blood flow. There's conflicting, I mean, just to show how confused the area is, there's conflicting ideas whether it's too much blood flow or not enough blood flow, both of which they talk about causing headaches. So I mean, just to give you an idea, there's just, it's, it's generally an unknown, kind of what it is medically. So, but from a functional like nutritional perspective, what I often find is stress hitting the body in one of four areas. So I mentioned brain being one. Second one is heart, cardiovascular in general. Third is thyroid and fourth is adrenals. And then it's a matter of, you know, looking mm. at which one of those causes, uh, which organs weak, see if you can find out what weakened that organ, what was the stressor that kind of hit that tipping point and then building it back up piece by piece. And that's obviously that's a holistic approach to solving the, you know, the problem. And then you can even go one step back and kind of address the stressor. So what was the stressor? What was the incident? What was going on in the person's life behind it? Now, all of that to say, that's all what's sitting behind it. The other option is a pain reliever from medicine or even, you know, an herbal or a nutritional thing to alleviate the pain from maybe a holistic minded doctor but there's levels behind it of what organs generating the pain what's that dysfunction a sign of and then even a step behind that what was that domino that caused that dysfunction um, so th that's kind of the that's kind of the the mental framework I would kind of work through that with and I'm happy to go deeper into any of those that are helpful yeah no I think that was uh, very beneficial I, I appreciate that breakdown um, I'm, I find it interesting as well that you mentioned the, uh, the adrenals and the thyroid. Um, yeah. And, and that really makes sense to me. I think that could actually be yeah. a major issue for most people just because obviously we are taxing our adrenals so heavily with, you know, stimulants like caffeine, really just, you know, spiking that cortisol. Um, and also just like you said, living in a stressed state, that's also going to spike that cortisol. And, um, you know, not, not to say it's going to be the same issue for everyone. It's not everyone's having this issue with their adrenals, but I do think that's uh, probably a major one. And um, in, in terms of, of helping out these organs, like, would you recommend, um, for example, well, obviously, <laughs> I think a cleaner diet is always obviously a good option. But uh, what about like, some kind of um, like um, adaptogenic herbs, maybe like sure. something that can really, um, you know, I'm thinking like ashwagandha, for example, off the top of my head for uh, helping out with these adrenals. Would that be like a good idea? Would you say? Sure. So you're definitely on the right track there. And I think that's a really, um, I think that's a really good question because, you know, there's a lot of herbal support that's fantastic for the adrenals. Ashwagandha would be at or near the top of that list. You're absolutely right. Things like licorice, romagna, rhodiola, shisandra, Korean ginseng. That's kind of, um, I'm trying to go through, 
in a Luthro um, or um, uh, yeah. those are kind of the main main adrenal type herbs. But if we take it to, to answer that question, but if we take a step question a step back on that question because I think it's a good one, a really good one. So what's the stress doing to the body? So imagine you got a car and you drive to the grocery store and back, right? Then imagine you got a car and you drive 100 miles an hour nonstop for 10 hours, right? How much more stress is on the car driving nonstop for 10 hours versus going to the grocery store and back? And I think that's the equivalent of what's happening with stress in our body. So then I think the next question is what nutrients are stress using? So in that example, when we drive 10 hours in the car mm. going 100 miles an hour, what are we burning up? We're burning up the gas maybe need some more coolant, you know, maybe need to change the oil a little more often, right? I mean, you, you think through like what's happening with a car. So in the body, what's going on? So some of the main nutritional factors that support healthy adrenals are um, B vitamins. And I'm not talking so much about kind of supplement or synthetic kind of B vitamins, but just whole food rich sources of B vitamins. So examples of this could be nutritional yep. yeast, could be beet, could be sweet potato, could be liver. But B vitamins um, are just one example of, that's a nutrient that's just burned up by four main things. One is, you know, to go to your question on diet, eating sugar just burns up B vitamins because it's used, use it to break down glucose into energy. So Eat a lot of sugar, you're going to be short on B vitamins. Excessive exercise. So these are like ultra marathoners, um, people who are doing you know long long distance biking. But there's something called exercise induced cardiomyopathy, which is like an enlargement of the heart um, that I think is a deficiency of the B vitamins, just because you burned them all up running 40 miles or 50 miles or biking mm. 200 miles or whatever it is. So we talked about sugar. We talked about um, too much exercise. Alcohol will burn up B vitamins. Use some B vitamins as cofactors in the detoxification of alcohol. And the fourth thing um, is stress. So stress will burn up B vitamins um, just like that. So I think so. That's one example of something that's super useful. The other thing you'll burn, somebody might burn up a lot in is, is vitamin C. Now, the issue is if you if you look on in, on most supplements, not all, but most supplements, they'll define vitamin C as ascorbic acid, right? Which um, is basically an antioxidant, and they'll talk about that, and it has 500 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams or 2,000, whatever it has of, of, of ascorbic acid in it. The only problem is that's actually not what vitamin C is. <laughs> it is according to the government, but if you find vitamin C in nature, there's over 1,000 different cofactors that actually make that vitamin C. So if you find vitamin C mm. in an orange or in broccoli, there's 1,000 different nutrients that all make it work. And the vitamin C is, you know, maybe 2% of that, maybe 5% of that. So the other 90, call it 95 plus percent, is not the ascorbic acid. So what is the ascorbic acid? It is an antioxidant. But what that is, is nature's way of protecting the rest of the functional vitamin C complex. So gotcha. I, the example I get for ascorbic acid is ascorbic acid's like wrapping paper. And you get that for, for a birthday gift. Well, most people don't necessarily want wrapping paper as a birthday gift. They typically like, especially kids, what's inside the wrapping paper. And that's what I think the ascorbic acid is. Ascorbic acid is the wrapping paper that's protecting the present inside. So what is some of the present inside? <clears throat> Excuse me. One key nutrient in it is something called rutin, R-U-T-I-N. And it's kind of, uh, it's a nutrient you find very high in buckwheat. So buckwheat is a gluten-free grain. Um, it's also found in apples. It's also found in onions in lesser qualities. But um, rutin is incredible support for the adrenal glands and su incredible support for the circulatory system as well. In fact, um, to share something with you and your audience, Harvard did a study looking for the best clot-busting molecules. And I think they looked at 5,000 different molecules. And what they found is the single best clot-busting molecule that existed on the planet was rutin because it worked on arterial, stroke, or arterial clots those in the arteries, as well as those in the veins. And they wrote it up in the Harvard Magazine. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's really fascinating. So that is, um, so in the richest food source of that is buckwheat. So, and, you know, and if you're looking for a, a supplement, then you really want to look for a supplement that has buckwheat in it, right? Because that would mm. be a food source and other, you know. So that would be a couple examples of things that I would look for in terms of what's burn, what does stress burn up in the body? 
right? This, and, and so we talked about B vitamins, they kind of get burned up and whole food source of that. Talked about vitamin C that gets burned up and a whole food or food-based source of that. Um, the other thing that kind of gets burned up around stress that could be connected to the headaches are minerals, specifically what's called alkaline ash minerals. So there's certain minerals that are more acidic, certain that are more alkaline, going back to the, you know chemistry days for high school for many of us. And um, but alkaline minerals, things like calcium, magnesium, manganese, um, potassium. But just to note on those minerals, again, those are best. Um, I really like a, a food concentrate of minerals because I like to think minerals of the body, they're like instruments in an orchestra in the sense of if you have an orchestra and you just take a bunch of you know, calcium or a bunch of potassium, well, it's like throwing, like doing 50 times as many tubas in the middle of an orchestra, right? It's, it's going to, tubas are good, but it's going to throw off the whole balance and change the sound of anything. And the minerals are similar to each other. And, you know, that's what the periodic table is. The ones, each column has similarities to the other ones. And you'll notice some of these minerals, they're close to each other in the periodic table, which means the body can use one to the other. So that being said, it's, it's important to get minerals kind of in a balanced form so you don't end up with an orchestra with way too many tubas, <laughs> right? So those are, those are some examples of things that get, that, get, that get burned up. So we have whole food B vitamins, whole food vitamin C, as well as some of those alkaline ash or relaxing minerals uh, can be super helpful in situations like that. Yeah, that, um, I mean, that's an incredible answer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love everything you were saying there, especially on the root, and that, that was incredible. I, I had no idea yeah. about that. And it's, um, yeah. and, and also it's, uh, uh, what, like, the amount of it in buckwheat. Like, I had no idea that that was yeah. even a thing. Um, I know for vitamin C, I usually uh, will turn to, like, kamu kamu berry. That's usually uh -huh. one of the main forms of vitamin C that I'll usually turn to. Um, what's your take yep. on, on, on Kamu Kamu Berry? Yeah, so I think that can be a good source um, for sure. One of the richest sources uh, animal-wise is actually the adrenal gland. Um, so wow. it, this is kind of- an, <laughs> I love that. For, 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 yeah, so this is like for those who aren't vegetarian on the podcast and things like that, but, so what, is, but what does that tell us? What does that tell us is that the adrenal glands live on vitamin C. Right. And, yep. and, the, and the question that always, you know, always interested me is how did the, you know, you look at like kind of ancestral diets and like the Maasai in Africa ate very different than the people, than, you know, the Japanese near Okinawa. And I've heard you talk about blue zones on some of your podcasts before when you kind of look at the Mediterranean diet. But in this case, let's look at the Inuit up in Alaska. Where the heck are they getting vitamin C from? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can make an idea yep. of where they're getting vitamin D from. Right. If they're not getting it from the sun, because there's not a lot of it up there, right? We can understand they're getting it from liver, cod liver, right? Being a, being a source and you can understand something, but where are they getting vitamin C from? Because nuts or berries, vegetables are not a big part of that diet, right? So the answer is the adrenal glands. So it's actually like a very prized like organ meat. And if you look at a lot of times, if you find like um, animals, when they go hunting, they'll eat the organ meat first and leave the muscle meat last. Um, recognizing the, the nutrient quality of that. So I think Camu Camu can be a good source. They talk about um, a few different ones, but um, I kind of like a mix. And then certainly having some adrenal, having some buckwheat, I think are just two fantastic sources. And then the key you're looking at is how much ascorbic acid do they put in there? Because um, most companies have to put in some, at least for a label claim, um, you know, just to guarantee after two years, it's going to have a certain amount in there. But what you want is the yeah. ratio of food source to be, you know, very, very high relative to the quantity that's synthetic on the label. So anyway, those are a couple of the best sources. And I don't know about the rutin and camu camu. So I don't know whether that has that in it. As far as I know, Buckwheat is the best source. Like I said, apple and onion, a couple other sources in there. So to get that whole vitamin C complex, I'd want, I'd want to make sure there's something that's really high in kind of that rootin in there um, for that adrenal benefit, but also that circulatory support, strengthening the arteries, clot prevention uh, kind of effect that's in there. Absolutely. Um, that, you know, you're, you're, you're expanding my, my vitamin C knowledge at this moment and, and realizing <laughs> I need to step my game up on it. So, um, I really enjoy that. And, uh, now yeah. since we're already 
on this topic of, of food as medicine and, and I love the tie-in that you did with adrenal glands. That was incredible. Um, but yeah. uh, what, in your opinion, what would be yeah. some of, uh, you know, and, and I think we're both on the same page in, in saying that some of the best food is obviously the closest food to nature, right? Um, so what would be some of this uh, food that's so close to nature that you would recommend as being some of the foods that we all need to be eating uh, on a regular basis, not, not just for headaches, but for overall health? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So I actually worked for a while on an article. Um, I was trying to, uh, you know, simplify down some of the most important practices. If somebody can only do a certain number of things each day, what would they be? Like a list of, I think I've got to like a dirty dozen or 16 of like, what would be those things? And some of it was obviously not food-based. It would be like, you know, talk to a friend or practice gratitude and some of the, you know, spirit, mind, body pieces that you've, you mentioned on, on recent episodes, but in terms, if we look specifically at food, I think um, a couple things I'd look at is would be apple cider vinegar, you know, one to two tablespoons a day. Um, we're getting some good, um, you know, apple cider vinegar is shown to help with weight loss. It's very good for overall joint mobility, arthritis, even like a frozen frozen shoulder. So it's really good for balancing the pH of the body. And if you get apple cider vinegar with the mother in it, um, it's got um, some good bacteria in it, so you naturally get a probiotic. So another group would be fermented foods, um, something with some good bacteria in it. So some of my favorite ones are sauerkraut. If you really got a strong stomach or, or like the taste, kimchi could be a good one. Um, you know, yogurt, sometimes a c- coconut milk uh, yogurt or, you know, a good quality yogurt that's not pasteurized, kind of hormone-free and not full of sugar. That's kind of would be good things to look at there. But fermented yep. foods, um, fermented. So yeah, we got fermented foods. We got apple cider vinegar. Next, we'll talk about um, sea salt. So people may hear, well, you know, salt's good, but it could raise your blood pressure. Um, and I find that um, not true in in the correct amount. So I think most people would do well between one and two teaspoons of salt per day. Uh, and I'm talking about sea salt. Not sodium chloride, table mm-hmm. salt, that stuff throw in the garbage, absolutely poison. Um, but if you get a whole food, <laughs> thank you, thank like you. a whole, yeah, yeah. But if you get a whole, um, like a whole food, basically what sea salt is, which is dehydrated ocean, right? That's how they make it. Um, some of those you can find 40, 50, 60, 70 different minerals in it. Um, and what you'll find is the body, number one mineral in the body is sodium. Number one mineral in the ocean is sodium. Number two in the ocean is chloride. Mm. Number two in the body is chloride. And then you have calcium and potassium. And you look at the mineral composition of the body, it's very similar to the ocean. So it's almost like a fractal of each other. That idea kind of communicates. But um, so sea salt, one to two teaspoons a day. And the more you sweat, probably the more you need a natural electrolyte. Now, one of the things for your listeners, since we're talking about the adrenals, is one of the signs of adrenal fatigue is craving salty foods. So if you're craving salty foods or you're drawn to salty foods, chips, popcorn, like to put a ton of salt on your food, that's a sign of adrenal fatigue. Why? And the answer is your adrenals uh, respond to a hormone called aldosterone and help the body hold on to sodium. So if the adrenals are weak, it won't produce as much aldosterone and you'll pee out, you'll urinate out or lose through the urine a lot of sea salt. Or you'll lose, lose a lot of salt, excuse me, a lot of sodium. So somebody having salt cravings or craving salty foods is a sign of adrenal fatigue. So um, that's good. And then, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking a, a little bit of gut health for, for you since that's up there. So a couple more on that is I love, um, you know, bone broth, about a cup a day um, for a whole bunch of different reasons, but certainly a great source of collagen. Uh, you make it homemade, you get some good calcium, you got a good bit of, good bit of protein as you're going in there as well, um, you can put make it with some apple cider vinegar, so you get a little bit of that in there. You put a little turmeric or, uh, or ginger, so you get some anti-inflammatory benefits in there. Um, if anyone's looking for a recipe, I've got one on my Instagram that you can find there along with a bunch of the benefits of that. It's also a rich source of L- L-glutamine, which can be great for gut repair and kind of leaky gut. Um, so that would be one. And then, um, you know, I'll talk about turmeric and ginger kind of together, just incorporating some of that in your diet. Um, both of them are potent anti-inflammatories, um, and ginger specifically is one of the single best foods for gut health, probably along with fermented foods and bone broth, but it's largely, widely antimicrobial, anti-par- you know, somewhat antiparasitic, 
antifungal, antibacterial. Um, so it's really good for nausea as well. Um, so that would be phenomenal. Um, turmeric, you know, has incredible benefits, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer. I can go, <laughs> go on and on for a while, but I'll give you <laughs> one more. There was a, um, which would be beets and beet leaves, which are Swiss chard, which are this number one food for gallbladder health. Um, I was, uh, talking to a doc once and he was telling the story of a general surgeon who, um, it's the number one food I probably use for gallbladder health, beets and beet leaves. So he was talking to a general surgeon. He started advising all this. So this, this general surgeon was doing like three to four gallbladder surgeries a week. And he started adding, um, the patients would come in. If they were in an emergency, he'd say, take a, take a couple of bottles of this beet, beet leaf. Uh, Swiss chard is very similar to beet leaf. So they both have betaine, which is the key ingredient you need in, in beets and beet leaves. But he'd have him do that, and he, he went from doing three to four gallbladder surgeries a week. I think he did zero in two years. So I'm oh not saying gosh. this is guaranteed to prevent that. I saw somewhere else about 85% of all gallbladder surgeries can be prevented with beets and beet leaves. So it's really good. What it does is naturally thin the bile. So bile is made by the liver, stored in the gallbladder, and your gallbladder kind of releases it um, when you eat a fatty meal to help digest fats helps lubricate the bowel, helps with a whole bunch of different things. But what happens is when that um, bile can get sludgy, get congested, um, it gets thick, and that's when stones are more likely to develop. So something that naturally thins the bile can be incredibly important for that, uh, and that's, you know, beets and beet leaves. I could, I could probably keep going with some other ones, but I think those are, um, yeah, I'm happy to keep going or I'm happy to turn it back over to you, but <laughs> um, I think those are, are some really important ones there. Yeah. Um, holy cow. <laughs> I, I love, uh, all of that. I mean, I'm, I, I'm literally in like a class lecture at the moment. I'm loving this. So, um, <laughs> first off, I, I want to, I wanted to retouch a, a few points. I love that you yeah. to, uh, spoke about salt, which I think people yeah. really underestimate the power of high quality salt. Like you said, not the fabricated salt that, essentially just has two ingredients, right? Like we're looking for this sea salt that contains, like you said, all of these minerals, which our body is like basically the ocean, you know? <laughs> like I love how you made yeah. that connection there. And um, I think a lot of people fail to remember that salt was a massively valuable product back in the day, mm. um, you know, it, during the Roman times, right? Like I believe mm -hmm. I heard that the term salary is derived from the term salt. The root word, um, S-A-L, yep, you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and and so it just goes to show how valuable it truly is, and um, you know it's it's something to not be overlooked right now. Uh, I also love the fact how you tie that in in terms of it being used up. Um, yeah, just everything on that topic was excellent, and yeah, uh, I also thank you. Uh, I, I wanted to speak a little bit about the gallbladder just very briefly, yeah. and I love yeah, that please. you went into that um that whole talk because my grandma actually like a year ago had her gallbladder removed um she oh, was wow, going yeah. through intense pain and had to have it removed and uh this would have been amazing to know you know this would have been great knowledge i uh after that i did a um a liver slash gallbladder cleanse and i mean sorry <laughs> too much information here but yeah definitely passed some gallbladder stones or some gallstones yeah. um yeah, it's absolutely wild. I, I couldn't believe I had them. I just figured I was too young. But um, yeah, no. So beets are going to be <laughs> high on my list <laughs> of, of trying to get them in. And like I said, the beet leaves as well, or the Swiss chard. So um, exactly. sincerely, thank you so much for diving <laughs> in on that. I think, I, I think you and I could have a conversation for hours <laughs> on just that topic. Uh, but to, to get into a, a new kind of avenue, um, there, yeah. there is one topic I wanted to, to speak on a little bit with you, and that was just this placebo effect. Now, I, mm -hmm. I've heard that you, you've spoken about this and kind of what it can teach us, but I would love to, to hear your, your opinion on this and kind of your take on it, because I did an episode quite a while back now on the placebo and the nocebo. Um, and it's yeah. fascinating to me. So I would just love to hear your take. Um, take the floor and take it wherever you want. Yeah, sure. Well, great. This will be fun. So um, the placebo, um, just to define the term, is basically um, the idea that when you're doing any kind of research or specifically a drug trial in most cases, 
they give one group of participants the drug and they give the other group of participants a sh what's called commonly called a sugar pill or a placebo which supposedly has no effect but they do that so the groups don't know who's getting the real drug and who's getting the, the fake drug the placebo and what they the reason they do that is they want to make sure that every drug that's approved is more effective than a placebo so they want to make sure they want to minimize the placebo effect because they don't want they don't want a drug being approved just because someone thinks it's working they want to know it's actually working so and this is this is needed because you might think well who actually gets better just taking a sugar pill and why they would give a sugar pill is a whole other story and they certainly add all kinds of stuff into most placebos anyway so it's not purely a sugar pill but why would people get better just taking something that's has nothing in it or no active ingredients and but it's actually super common you know 30 percent of the people will get better just taking a placebo. So in, in medical terminology, in, in medical research, they want to minimize that as much as possible. But I think that opens an opportunity for us holistically, um, not to trick people into giving them sugar pills, but to look at the fact of, you know, bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy, the number one cause of personal bankruptcy is medical bills. Right? I mean, this is a huge issue. So if we have something that literally costs nothing, that 30% of the people get better taking, I think that's worth looking into. And I'll expand on that a little bit more. So then they start, Then there's a study. There's a guy named Mosley was the, the, car, uh, the, the orthopedist name, orthopedic surgeon. He was down in Houston. He, so he was the orthopedic surgeon for the NBA team in Houston, the Rockets the WNBA team there, and he was, it was a, uh, a surgeon on one of the Olympic teams. So this guy's like you know, a big deal in orthopedics and orthopedic surgery. And he did a study. He was trying to figure out what the best surgery was for osteoarthritis or arthritis of the knee. So one surgery is they flush out the joint, clean out the irritants to kind of calm it down. So it's a flushing of the joint. Another one's a shaving. So they go in and shave down the cartilage, make it smooth again. So that's a shaving. And they wanted to tr he wanted to know what was better, the flushing or the shaving. Well, they said, in order to do the study, you need a placebo group. He said, well, how do you do a placebo group for surgery? How do you fake a surgery, right? <laughs> or how do you do a, sh a sham surgery? So, but what they, what they ended up coming up with, they did, a, they did three groups, including a placebo group. And what they did is they, the doctors didn't know what they were doing, so they scrubbed in and got ready. The patients didn't know, obviously, what they were doing. They, they sedated the patients, and just before they made the first incision, they gave the... the the surgeon a card and it said you know basically flushing shaving or placebo and they did whatever that was so if it was a placebo they made a couple incisions they moved around they stayed in the operating room for 30 to 40 minutes like they would with either surgery talked like they were doing a surgery but they didn't actually do anything in the joint but they still made the incisions closed the patient back up and and that was it so then they wanted to see which one had the best improvement was it the flushing was it the shaving or was it the placebo and you know what they found they all improve the same. So Mosley, he's got this great quote. He says, so he, he goes, I had to look in the mirror. I had to realize that all my skill as a surgeon was totally useless to the patients. So the ones who got no surgery improved just as much as ones who got surgery from one of the top surgeons you know, in his field. So I think what that, what that tells us is you know, health is not physical. Right, if we're looking to understand our health purely by looking at the physical, I think we can't, right? And one of the chapters of the book I, I called the quantum principle, which um, I said the power of nothing, which is the power of no hyphen thing, or basically the power of energy, right? And what makes me think of is um, there's a quote by Einstein. So Einstein, obviously the scientific genius, um, was involved early in uh, quantum physics along with uh, some others. And what he said at one point was the sole governing agent of the particle is the field, or the field is the sole governing agent of the particle. So what was he saying on that? He said you can't understand the movement of a single particle like an atom or like an electron, really. You can't understand that without understanding the energetic field that surrounds it. And I think hmm. our body, and I know our body, my experience is our body is exactly the same way. And I think that placebo effect is one example of that. That's actually what's more important than the surgery is our beliefs and our mindsets and our hopes and our dreams connected to health. And there was another researcher, his name was McClare. He was at Oxford University. And he found that energetic stimuli 
are a hundred times more powerful in affecting the cells as things like physical stimuli like neurotransmitters or nutrients. So energy is a hundred times more powerful. And I bet you and a lot of your listeners have experienced this because how many of you guys have been around certain people and felt more energized and great and were having fun and felt fantastic? And how many were around other people and felt tired and down and you could feel it immediately when you walked in the room? <laughs> like you open a door to that party or that business event or you just stall that person across the room and your mood level just goes, <sighs> so what is that? It, it yep. ain't physical, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't happen that quick. So I think that's an example of it. I think, well, I think it's, I mean, it's, I think it's a super, one, it's a super powerful principle. Two is 30%, you know, we can harness that. How can we harness that so 30% of people get better when something that literally costs nothing and three is how can we use that to as that like the placebo effect is like a window into a bit of truth and how can we incorporate that into like our daily life and our daily healthcare decisions and how we look at things like disease and health um i think it has implications for all of those things uh, and probably more yeah uh that that was incredible, an incredible explanation of it, and and I love that example that you gave with the knee surgery. Uh, yeah. I definitely, I, you know, I think a lot of times we we always look for that external source to heal, you know, and and really all all that knowledge and ability to heal is within our ourselves, you know, it is here. It like our body has this innate knowledge of of healing itself you know like it has to to survive and i think when we learn to finally tap into that you know there's a lot of potential and i think it's it's shown in you know doctors say that the truly the the number one uh determinant of how long someone is going to live is how long they think they're going to live you know if you ask someone how long do you think you're going to live and they say a certain age that's usually a lot closer than any other form of measurement and uh you know there's countless examples of that where um you, you can see it time and time again where just the manner in which a person thinks or these deep held beliefs that might have been instilled in them as a as a child you know uh they really do show up later on in life and so you it's not just because you know we don't just become what we eat but it's also um it's, it's what we consume in in all forms right from food to, to knowledge, to music, to TV, everything. You know, it's it's all uh, playing its own role. And I love that you tied in the, the placebo in that way. So uh, thank you for that. And I also noticed you mentioned uh, a chapter in your book, which we definitely yeah. need to talk about. Um, can you speak a little bit about its uh, timeless youth, right? And I know you kind of yeah. have the the title written a little differently. So um, please share what is what is this book about? Kind of what... Um, you know, what's the goal of you writing this book and what do you what do you want the reader to really obtain from it? Well, awesome. Yeah, th thanks for asking. Yeah, and it's Timeless Youth, Y-O-U with a little T-H. So it's a play on the there word you, you. And basically, it's going after that point you just made, which I think is incredibly important and worthwhile. And thank you for saying it, which is like the number one truth in your health is you. The most powerful mm -hmm. force in your health is you. And nobody knows more about your health, no doctor anywhere than you, <laughs> right? Now, doctors, yeah. <laughs> including me, including anyone, should be great advisors to you. They should be people that should help you. Any coach, holistic health coach, you know, trainer, Reiki practitioner, massage therapist, they, they work for you. And ultimately, you know, you're in charge of your health and you have the right to fire any doctor you want <laughs> at any time, right? Because, um, and, I, and I say that to say, it's really, I've seen too many people walk into doctor's offices and the doctor uses some big Latin words and they don't understand what the heck said and then they end up walking out on three or six or ten different medications. And if you ask them what's going on, they don't really understand, um, which is a shame um, in a sense of, you know, not to say the doctors did anything wrong, but I certainly think if they communicate, it would be great if the person they talked to understood what they were saying. Hmm. So you ought to, you know, Einstein had another quote. He said, anything complex, something he said, like anything complex should be able to explain in even the most simple of terms, like the highest level of understanding. Hmm. It was this, it was like the highest level of understanding is when you can explain something simply. And I think I we should that. have that. Yeah, I think we should all strive to have that with our doctors and, and understand what they're saying about your health and understand if that makes sense to you. But, but to go back to your question, like, 
anything that works, it works because it, it helps you, right? Even those foods I was talking about, the ginger or the garlic or the apple cider vinegar or the bone broth, all it's doing is giving you and your body the raw materials it knows to, it needs to do what it knows to do, right? Your body is camp- capable of making just about any pharmaceutical drug. It can heal better than any surgeon, right? Even surgery when it's done well, all their, you know, the healing's still happening by you. They can cut and they can take stuff out, but it's the body's own amazing ability to heal that's unlocking all of that. So that's a side. It's a little side detour there. But the book is called Timeless Youth, uh, but uh, Y-O-U-T-H. And I, I wrote this book. Um, sometimes I wonder, <laughs> I wonder why I wrote the book. I had a, a great idea. The reason I wrote the book is because I wanted to reach more people than I could reach in my clinic. And the reason I wrote that book is because I wanted a, a resource um, to be able to give to me when I was six years old or my parents as we were driving around doctor mm-hmm. to doctor searching for answer. I wanted to be able to give one to, you know, have some information for you to give to your grandma, <laughs> right? To have this, inf- you know, I wish yeah. I would have known this information sooner. I have patients, you know, with family members around the country and around the world. And it's like, I want to, I want to be able to give them something where even I can expand the reach and pass on some of what I found super helpful with myself and my patients uh, and put a little truth bomb out into the universe and let it go as far as it can go. Um, and I just was frustrated um, by people saying, you know, I went to my doctor and they told me everything's fine, but they're feeling tired and they're feeling fatigued and they think they have an autoimmune disease and they don't know what's going on, but the doctor looked at the blood work and said they're fine. Well, then they went back and the doctor said, well, I can't find anything wrong with you and they, they can't understand why they have all these pains, so they're given an antidepressant, right? Or they have an autoimmune disease and the doctor says, here's an uh, immunosuppressant, take this for the rest of your life. Oh, by the way, the side effect is cancer. Right, or you just go through those different lists of all the things, and, and there is a better option, and there's a lot more to that. And there's some lessons that I've learned that placebo effect we dived into a little bit, and there's more on that kind of deeper in the book. But like, there's five key principles that I think have to be applied. And also, I think if you understand the principles, another quote if you like, if you, if you only know the methods, you're forever tied to those methods. Like, if you only learn the tics, tips and tricks, you're forever looking for the next tip and trick and not mm. understanding why they work. But if you understand the principles that behind those methods, you're free to create with them. And that's, I really think the single most important thing someone could do is actually understand what health is and what creates it. Because if you do that, the next time you look at a food or try to understand what a diet is, or try to look and make these choices, or try to help friends, you can do it from a point of like, you have the whole operating system right. And that was the intention of the book, to give someone they could give some information they can tap into, they can understand, they can share with their friends, or they can share with their church groups, or they can share with um, family members that that can help them unlock the body's own ability to heal and help them understand how much of health you can do on your own that costs nothing, <laughs> right? And I think there's incredible yeah. value in just understanding that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Jeff, I love that. And, and, you know, that really deeply resonates with me because this podcast in a lot of ways is my, um, my kind of give back to yeah, yeah my younger self and kind of that thing that it's like, yeah, if I was, if I had this tool back then, you know, um, things would have been very differently. Um, but you know, uh, of course, like, like we said earlier on, it's, it's this path that led us to where we're at. And so now we can come from this place of service and, and provide, um, you know, like this book, timeless you, right. And, um, really be able to, to give back to, to the community and, uh, the community at large in terms of, you know, having a book, you're able to, yeah, reach so many more people than you normally would be able to. So, um, thank you for, for diving in on that. And Dr. Jeff, honestly, like we're coming to an end here, but <laughs> man, uh, like I said, I think you and I have um, a lot more conversation to have. Um, I would love to have you back on. That's something we could uh, definitely discuss in the future. And um, before we before we do find the, our way to the conclusion, um, I would love for you to just provide um, places where people can connect with you, can reach out to you, can find you. Um, yeah, just whatever resources you might have where they can find this, uh, find your book, Timeless Youth. And um, yeah, take take the floor, share all of that good stuff. Of course, I'll link it in the show notes. And um, yeah, take the floor. Well, awesome. I, I enjoyed the conversation immensely, Evan. I, ho- I ho- sincerely hope it was incredibly 
useful and valuable to your listeners. And I'd be happy to continue that conversation again, or expanded, extended, and deep dive into some of these awesome areas we touched on and plenty more to do. So it'd be my pleasure to do that. Um, so best way to probably connect to me is probably over Instagram. You can find me, Jeff Crippen, J-E-F-F-C-R-I-P-P-E-N. You can find me on Instagram. I've got some stuff linked there. I mentioned that bone broth recipe. We've talked about some of those you know, powerful foods and, and there's more there. So you can you can connect with us on Instagram. And if you have any questions, it's probably the best way to reach me or kind of continue the conversation. Um, and for the book, Timeless Youth, um, you can get it pretty much anywhere books are sold. It's certainly on Amazon. Um, you can find it through the website, timelessyouthbook.com. But any bookstore, um, U.S. and abroad, can can order it and uh, have a copy in you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, kind of all those main ones. You can find it there. And I'd love you to pick up a copy and share it with some friends if you found this, this, this interview useful. That would mean a lot and kind of help me continue my mission to share that positivity and you know, truth about health throughout the universe. So I'd be incredibly grateful to, uh, to you guys for doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Jeff, I really deeply from the bottom of my heart appreciate you coming on this show. And um, uh, yeah, I, I found the conversation super valuable. So uh, hopefully, and I'm, I already know that the listeners will find it valuable, um, but if at the least it was a, a great opportunity for me, I always, I love having guests on because it, it literally is, it's it's just a learning opportunity aside from uh, me being able to provide this to the listener. But uh, Dr. Jeff, I, yeah. Truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the show. Like I said, we'll, we'll probably be having you back on. And um, for all the listeners out there, please go find uh, Dr. Jeff on Instagram. Um, I'm definitely going to check out the bone broth recipe. So I advise you to do so as well. I'll try to maybe, yeah. I don't know if I can link a post in there, but I will link his Instagram. So um, you can go ahead and find it. And uh, you already know the motto of the show. It's do everything with good intentions and connect to your elements. Dr. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Evan. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. Evan Roberts is not a medical professional, and this podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Statements and views expressed on this show are not medical advice. This podcast, including Evan Roberts and any guests on the show, disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in this episode. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult a medical professional. 